When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to the Rope Report Extra Podcast. Uh, you join us again after yet another... Was it a negative result? Was it a positive result? I don't know. Um, I suppose we scored three goals. It was certainly entertaining. There was two red cards. Well, I think we really needed a win, didn't we, at the end of the day? 3-3 against Borough. I suppose it felt probably a bit more positive because of how late we scored in the game. But if you kind of look at the defensive errors and the goalkeeping mistakes again, there's a lot of things that are recurring. But I suppose you've got to take some of the positives out of it. You've got to look at the fact that we did get a point from the game um, against a team that, you know, they are a strong team. They've underperformed for the money that they've spent. But with, I think, 12 games to go now, we really start need putting some, uh, not one points. We need to start putting three points together. We need to start doing it fast. Uh, we're bottom of the league. It's not looking great. And then we've got Millwall on Saturday, who are in a decent run of form. And based on the fact we have Millwall on Saturday, I've got Lucas today from the 1885 Millwall podcast. How are you doing, Lucas? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad yourself, mate. Yeah, not too bad. You're actually our, our youngest ever guest at the age of 17. Not even old enough to drink yet. I'm sure you don't either, dealer. I'm sure, you, sure <laughs> nah, you're not a drinker. Not. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Millwall, how's your season gone so far? To be fair, it's probably been, it's been better than what we all expected. You know, we've come into the league and at the start of the season, if you'd have offered me 21st, I'd have taken that. But, you know, we're what, only six points off the playoffs, I think, now. Six or seven might be now. So, yeah, the chances of that actually happening are quite low, but to even be in with a shout of it at this point is showing what a good job Harris and Livermore and the team have done. He's, well, he's not inexperienced, that would be the wrong word to use, but he's, he's still relatively fresh to management, whereas I, I seen not so long ago you had a, a bit of banter with uh, Ian Holloway, um, which I didn't quite understand, and, and maybe that's my ignorance. What, what's been the difference between sort of Holloway and and Harris, and most importantly, I suppose, what what was the stick with Holloway? What what was that all about? Holloway came in in the I think it was twenty fourteen originally uh, when we sacked Steve Lomas. Uh, we we looked like we was going to go down, and we went on a good run at the end of that season, stayed up like eight game unbeaten run, picking up points that we needed to stay up in the end. And then the next season, we were absolutely horrendous under Holloway. He had probably the biggest budget any Millwall manager's ever had. And um, the side he put together were just useless, spineless bunch of journeymen who wouldn't really fight for the shirt. And it was it was just everything you don't want to see in a Millwall side. But he, instead of resigning, he held out for a big payout from the club, which I think it was about one, one and a half million in the end, which for Millwall is an awful lot of money. That's, you know, it's, if it was closer to one and a half, then that's nearly double our transfer record. 
so yeah, then uh, Harris came in, nearly kept us up that year. And since then, Holloway's then tried to blame the relegation on Harris, amongst other things with the payout and sort of slating things about the club. But that's where the um, stick comes from for Holloway. But yeah, Harris has actually done, you know, he's, he's turned it around in three years from where we were to where we are now. It's ridiculous. And um, what it's in with Holloway was, although he was signing some technically gifted players, doesn't look like they've done any of the character references. You know, you've got to be a certain type of personality to play for Millwall. And doesn't look like Holloway did that with most of his players, whereas Harris has with almost everyone. And yeah, there's one or two he's got wrong, but every manager's going to make mistakes, especially someone as fresh to it as Harris is. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I agree with you 100% on the character thing. I think, you know, we've got that as well. I think a lot of our a lot of our signings have been quite good on paper. You know, you, you put the Jack Rodwells and stuff like that on paper, good signings. Callum McManaman, although he's been all right the past few weeks, has been pretty poor. McGeady, you know, there's certain players we've got that have got quality, but I do think you have to have character to kind of want to play for a football club and understand the football club massively. So did did Harris change that sort of overnight or was that quite a long-winded process? Oh, I think we released about 18 players when Harris came in. So he got the job for like the last 10 games of the championship season. And then in the, obviously we still went down. Yeah, and I think he released about 18 players. And the original idea was a three-year plan um, to get back up to the championship. So we nearly got back up the first season and then second season we did, which everyone was happy with. But it was about bringing the youngsters through and signing young players who were good now, but also had the potential to develop. The players who come through our youth system, you've got the likes of Ben Thompson, who he hasn't played much this season, but last couple of seasons in League One, he was doing well. Fred Onyedimma, Aidan O'Brien, Jordan Archer came in from Spurs and he's developed into a decent goalkeeper, although he has made a few mistakes this season. Uh, then we signed the likes of Jed Wallace, Jake Cooper, who are all young players with, who are hungry to develop and get better at this level or whatever level they're playing at. So that, it took some time, but the Alex Aldridge and Terry Boudivant in the scouting department and the recruitment team have done a good job and it's changed relatively quickly given where we were and how bad it was under Holloway. I think it's it's so important, recruitment. I mean, I, I bang on about that with, you know, a lot of Sunderland fans bang on about recruitment and it just goes to show that it's not just our football club that's you know, suffers when we get it wrong. I think it's just the fact that we've been doing it for the best part of six seasons. And I honestly think a change in, in our recruitment strategy would change our outlook completely. And, you know, we might have to go down to League One to do it. But I, I spoke to a Sheffield United fan who, who kind of, said quite similar, new manager, new outlook, new recruitment. So moving forward, it does change the outlook on a lot of things. And I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned the goalkeeper, though, because obviously my experience <laughs> of, of Archer is, um, well, I mean, our goalkeeper didn't have the best of days that day either. I mean, I've never seen anything like those four goals conceded. But because our goalkeepers, every one of the goalkeepers have made a mistake. Like Camp's been making mistakes. Uh, Reuter made mistakes, which, you know, you'll have seen. And Jason Steele, I'm, I'm still not quite sure he's a goalkeeper. But you said, obviously, he's made a few mistakes, but he's developing into a good goalkeeper. Have you had to show a lot of patience with the younger boys as well? Because obviously, they're going to make mistakes. They've got to have their bad games. It's the process of becoming a footballer, isn't it? Yeah, you've got to be patient with some of them. And eventually, they'll start to perform. Like, probably the, the likes of Aiden and Fred, particularly, they've been frustrating to watch at times because we know that they've got the ability to do it. And they have shown it. Probably Fred more so. Sometimes doesn't always look like he's giving his all either. I think part of that is just how he is as a person as well. He is quite relaxed in general. Fred's moved back out wide recently and he looks so much better than he did. We had a period where we started to play him as a forward. I, I never really think he was a forward. But yeah, even even this season and last, and last season to some extent, you had to show 
bit of patience with both goalkeepers because uh, you had Archer and he's, Archer has made a, f- a good few mistakes this season, including the two at your place. In fairness, he's kept us in a lot of games. There's bits that he needs to work on, definitely. He's, when he comes out for crosses and tries to catch the ball from crosses, he's not very good at all. And he will need to improve on that, but it'll come. And Tom King, he made a, not so much, but he made one mistake at Spurs and a few people were slating him for that. It's like, one, the game was already gone. We're already 5-0 down when he made the mistake. He's a young keeper, it's going to happen. And, you know, the centre midfield players and the wingers will make mistakes, but they don't very often cost you goals. So that's the thing, it gets picked up on a lot more as a goalkeeper. Yeah, we probably had a few points dropped this season because of Archer, certainly. Or, yeah, more than a few points, but... He's also kept us in a number of games, like Cardiff away. He made um, quite a few good saves, kept us in it, got a point there. And there, there will be other games. I'm struggling to uh, think of one specifically off the top of my head, but yeah, you know, he, he has done decently in, an, in other games and it doesn't get picked up on so much. But yeah, you do you do have to look at the positives as well. How, how old is Archer? Is he quite a young goalkeeper? Uh, I think now he's probably about 23, 24. So okay. like we, we signed him originally on loan the season we got relegated but he didn't play a game and then um, we got him on a free transfer in the summer and David Ford started dropping off so he took the number one shirt then the amount of points that Sunderland have lost this season based on on goalkeepers is absolutely incredible they're like a regular thing with Sunderland and it doesn't matter which goalkeeper we have in Uh, there's a young boy uh, who hasn't actually played for the first team in the league yet called Strijek an under 21 Polish international I've been I've been hoping he gets a chance but it's I mean what what did you make of that game against us because I mean I I was thinking back I was thinking obviously with you being you know 17 I'm, I'm 32 this year so I remember Millwall FA Cup semi-final and stuff like that. And I think you would have been about three just to make our listeners feel even even older than you know <laughs> uh, we already feel this season. But this will be kind of like the first time, in probably in your lifetime, you remember Sunderland being at the obviously the new den. So your first real experience of Sunderland-Millwall was probably the most chaotic, ridiculous game ever. What what was your thoughts on, on the Sunderland side that day? Was it just, did you expect us to be that bad? Yeah, I didn't think by any means that you guys would go straight back up this season at all. I was looking at you guys as in finishing 15th, 16th, that sort of way. But yeah, I didn't expect it to be this bad. And it just looks like, you know, again, as you said earlier, some of them might have some technical ability, but it doesn't look like any of them have got that commitment or drive to really want to keep you in the league, which will be so so frustrating as a fan. You know, I know I've seen it with some players, not so, not as much down at Millwall, but um, yeah, and it frustrates the life out of you when players aren't. Even they're all because I was looking through like your squad when you when you played at the stadium and it, there, there was a lot of young boys in the team and there, there was one particular player that really impressed me and I think that was Savile. I think they had a really good game at the stadium. Like thought he played really really well. But when you look throughout your team, you, you have got as you've mentioned like there's a lot of a lot of young boys there. and I don't mean like you know 18, 19, like maybe what's coming through for us. You've got your, your 23s, your 24s. There's there's not a great deal of experience in there. But then when you look at the goals scored I think Lee Gregory is your top goal scorer who's 29 and Steve Morrison's back there as well who's chipped in with you know a couple of goals here and there as well do you find that the experienced heads are, are getting the younger boys sort of through because I think that's where we've struggled people like McGeady and, and Catamore and O'Shea have, have been incredibly poor for us and it, it doesn't seem like the young boys have anybody basically leading them through how important have your more experienced players been for you in, in that aspect Oh, yeah, they've been so important and the, the value of that, even though at times this season, like Morrison, yeah, at times this season, he, he wasn't playing very well. And um, people look sort of accepted after a while when he wasn't scoring that it was all right because of what he would 
normally do in terms of his performance and holding the ball up and uh, winning headers and all that sort of thing. But went for a period where he wasn't doing that either. So people were quite frustrated. But then, yeah, you look at the work he's got to have done with the young players this year. Gregory's probably helped out quite a few. Tony Craig, he left in January, but he would have been massive uh, help to most of the youngsters. And even we had like David Martin coming on a free transfer last summer. So that they'll all be experienced boys who've, you know, they they are going to be of massive importance to the youngsters and they have really got players that they can look up to. You even see it with some of the older lads now. Um, the likes of Meredith, you know, with Tim Cahill coming back in in January, James Meredith, Australian hopeful for the World Cup. He'll have been like looking up to Tim as a youngster, probably when he was my sort of age or a couple of years younger. He'll have been thinking, I want to go and do what Tim Cahill did. I want to go to England, make a career for myself, do that well and replicate what he's done. So they've, yeah, there's also role models for even some of the guys who are 28, 29. They've got the guys like Morrison and Cahill who are 34 and 38, I think. Tim Cahill's bound to score against us. I think he scored about 25 goals past us. He scored in that <laughs> semi-final and just the sheer name. Yeah. It just puts the, it- puts the shits up Sunderland fans, the name Tim Cahill. He's, he's guaranteed to score. We might as well start 1-0 down if Cahill's playing. Kind of just the way it goes. Ever since he scored in that semi-final back in, what was that, 2003? He's, I think he scored for yeah. 2004, that was the one. I've tried to erase it from my memory. I mean, I did. I was reading up the other day and I did read that actually that was his last goal for Millwall. So oh, yeah, him, it would have been for him to get his first one back against Sunderland would be quite the is quite the story. I so. think we know what's going to happen. I think we might as well just get, get that one out the door. Honestly, he used to score against us continuously. The amount of times I went to Goodison Park and I knew within ten twenty minutes Cahill would would score a header. He did it against us in the FA Cup quarterfinals for them before he went back home. But is he is he back on loan, Cahill? Then got a contract at the end of the season. He wasn't getting much game time. At, I think he was at Melbourne over in Australia. I mean, he wanted to play ahead of the World Cup or wanted to train in a because you know at the, the end of the day the A League's not the highest standard. So I think he either wanted to train at a high level or he wanted to be playing at that sort of level. And yeah, so he, he ended his contract with them. He got in contact with Harris first about coming back. Uh, so he's, yeah, he's on a deal to the end of the season and obviously he'll be hoping to make sure he gets his place in the World Cup squad, which I think he, I think they'll select him because that experience of scoring in, I think he's scored in the last three World Cups. Yeah. Will be invaluable to half that squad because I think they've got quite a young squad generally. So... You know, if you if you got someone like Tim Cahill to lead the youngsters, then that's not exactly a bad player to have around. No, not at all. How 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 many games has he played since he's came back? He's come off the bench probably three or four times. He's not started a game yet, and I wouldn't expect him to start for another few weeks at least. And also with the form Gregory and Morrison are in at the moment, you can't drop either of them. Really, you couldn't justify it. So I'd expect him to probably get a bit more game time this week. I think he had about 10, 15 minutes at Burton last game. I think it's, I was looking at, yeah, at the form of Millwall. And I remember when you came to, when you came to the stadium, I can't remember exactly where you were in the league, but I know you weren't, you, you were kind of where you would expect to be, I suppose, in a sense, where you're just coming up. But then you look at your form recently. I mean, I'm looking just back at sort of the past five games that you've played. And when we look at the past five games, you've you've gone to Redden and won, which, you know, I know people have said stuff about Redden being quite boring, but that, that's a good win. They've, they've done us 3-1 at home. You got a result against Cardiff, who've obviously done, done very, very well. Birmingham hit a kind of run of form. You went to Birmingham 1-1-0. Sheffield Wednesday, I know, you know, they're not a bad side at all. You've beat them 2-1. You've beat Burton 1-0 away from home. Take out that Rochdale game, and you've pretty much won every game against good championship sides. What, what's what been the upturn in form? What's changed there? Style of play or just snowballed after one win? It wasn't really a change in the style of play so much. We had 
you know, we had a bit, we had a decent Christmas period. And when we come to Stadium of Light and around that sort of time, we were playing really well. We would just weren't quite getting the results or we'd have decisions go against us, any of that sort of thing. And it was, it looked to a lot of people outside of Millwall that we were doing worse than we were, but the performances warranted to be higher than that. We've carried on with our pressing from the front, get the ball up to Morrison and Gregory and play off them, get Wallace involved as much as we can. I mean, you've had the likes of Ben Marshall who's coming in January and Jason Shackle, Cahill and Toffolo have probably all driven up competition for places a bit more as well. And I think part of that was O'Brien hit really good form just before he got injured in the Leeds game. But all that window, Harris had been saying, I want a left winger, which is O'Brien's position. It's all, I think it's been a bit of the competition's been going up. So the players have been training harder and then they're playing better at the weekend because they all are desperate to keep their place. And they know that there is that depth in the squad now that if they don't play well, they'll lose their place. Yeah, I think it's hugely important to have players in a team that, you know, actively want to be part of a squad, actively want to be part of the team on a Saturday. I mean, I, I, I mentioned Jack Rodwell before about players and, you know, good on paper and, and character. And you may have you may have well seen, I think, you know, it, was, it wasn't a big story in terms of like the grand scheme of things, but I think people had picked up that Jack Rodwell had gone to the papers when Coleman had said about... Uh, basically him saying he doesn't want to play for Sunderland. And I think, you know, we've we've got some players in that squad that just simply don't want to be there anymore. And you've got a bunch of like 18-year-olds in Joel Lasoro, Josh Madger, who are kind of carrying the can effectively. And as just, you know, it'd be nice to have some kind of competition for places for once. I think, suppose that's what we miss. You know, we, we miss a good recruitment strategy. We, we miss everything. And it's kind of, it begins to get on my nerves the more that I do these preview shows because you hear every club has players that kind of want to play for the club. They have this, the strategy of signing younger players, bringing them through, and maybe you know, maybe even selling them on at a profit. I think you know, from Brentford's perspective, that was the, the Brentford way of looking at stuff. And Brentford, they wiped their flow. That's the one of the best sides I've seen at the as bad as we were. They were one of the best sides I've seen at the stadium this season. But like, do you think you know, you know, you know you're totally different to us? Yeah, I don't think you'll get relegated this season. Nothing be anywhere near. You mentioned about being six points off the playoffs, and I think. There's an awful lot with a, a mindset of a fan base, isn't there? It's funny. I'm assuming you have an idea of how many points you are off the relegation places, but you're more likely looking at how far you are from the playoff positions where we're just looking at where the next win's coming from. How's the atmosphere with the, the Millwall fans? Do you see Sunderland as an easy game? The, I mean, the atmosphere is positive, And I think at the moment we are going into most games thinking this could be at this could and should be another three points but that's just because of how the boys are doing on the pitch the boys are playing that well that we're not scared of anyone at the moment you know whether it was Sunderland coming on Saturday or Wolves we wouldn't we wouldn't be that scared you know and we weren't that scared when Wolves came on Boxing Day we got a two-all draw out of that game which at home to them how well they've been playing this season we'd have taken that going into the game so it's not. I think, don't think we're looking at it as such an easy game. You know, we we know that if your boys do turn up, some of them, then you have got good players. You know, the likes of Asoro, and I think if you boys do go down, then um, I think Asoro is a player that we should seriously take a look at because he does look like he's got that potential. I'm not. I'm not sure what his character's like. We, you know, whether he has got that knack to play for Millwall, but I think he's certainly someone that they could look into. But yeah, you know, we know we know that you boys have got some quality. The likes of McManaman, McManaman. Uh, 2013 FA Cup semi absolutely tore us apart so we are more than aware yeah. of how, how he can be on his day I think most of us are expecting to win but it's about making sure we're not complacent over it and we do still go out there and put a good performance in yeah, make sure of, of it 
I think very much so. And I think um, obviously when, when you played us last time as well, you had, we didn't have a manager. It was Robbie Stockdale, I believe, was in charge at that point. So things were a little bit up in the air. And then and then Coleman came in for us. And I think we were quite surprised that Coleman came in. I think it's even more surprising, or maybe not, that, that we haven't really picked up in terms of league position. Were you surprised as a sort of an outsider that Coleman took the job? Did you see, Would you see the Sunderland job as a risk if it was you? I I thought when he um when he left Wales I thought he was going to go to a Premier League club to be honest yeah, I thought sure. that a bottom bottom sider club would take him I think Swansea might have been without a manager at the time as well so I thought they'd have been a bit more interested but you know they've gone for Carver Howe and he's proved out to be a good option it was a little bit surprising and yeah it is a bit of a risk you know the way that he knew he wasn't going to get a lot of money in January the chances of staying up from what I'd seen of you guys that season were fairly low but it depends. Obviously, how I'm not sure on his style of management so much in terms of how he does it. Is he, you know, is he a good player motivator, and does he tend to improve players a lot? In his Wales days, arguably the likes of Ramsey and Williams were a lot better under him, but then they were carried by Bale to some extent. So it's a case of it is a risk for him, and I think he'll be out the door if you if you guys do get relegated. I don't think he'll be there next season. I mean, there is that worry. Yeah, most definitely there is that worry. I think um, a lot of people have looked at if we go down, just come and stay, which is kind of a weird one to look at, really, because if we go down, normally you're asking for the manager to go. But I suppose essentially from our side, I don't think there's much anyone can do. And I'd love to say that that you know you could, but... Yeah, it's a case of who else would take the job for one thing. And yeah. you, you know Coleman's a higher quality manager than League One. So... Can he yeah. get the best out of those guys who are going to be around or develop the young players for two or three years and then really come back up and push on like we have? You know, we were expecting to be down in League One for a bit longer than we were, I think. But if we did lose to Bradford last year, there's no doubt that the likes of Gregory would have gone, Archer possibly, Williams. We wouldn't have signed Savile, Wallace, Tunnicliffe, Cooper, all those guys. So then it would have been a case of for us as well. You bring yeah. a lot of the even younger guys through, the likes of um, Harry Donovan, Harry Gerling, even to some extent, Christian Mbulu, and they all get a lot more game time. So I think, you know, it'd be good. I think the best outcome that you guys can hope for if you do go down is that Coleman stays. Yeah, and I, I really hope he does, but I do I do have that worry. There's a uh, Lewis Bournemouth, obviously, ex Arsenal player, has been managing a club, I think, in the lower divisions of Portugal. And he's he, he was over last week on this Saturday and he's spent some time with a coaching team. But it turned out that Bournemouth is essentially reading between the lines. I, I, I don't know if he's actually said it. If we stay up, then he's going to join the coaching staff, which obviously he's played with Coleman at Fulham. And, and it kind of concerned me in a sense that he said, if we stay up, because I think, you know, Lewis Bournemouth is not this huge coach. He's it would be a big break for him. So to me, him saying that was more a case of, I think he's going to look to see if Coleman stays. But I suppose essentially at the same time, Coleman would probably be assessing his his options at the end of the season as well, because there will be managers that get the sack and, and things like that. We're talking about players signing in January. Now we, we want a really poor budget. Like we brought in Camp, uh, Loire, Loire, Clarksall, uh, basically free transfers are loans. But one player we were linked to was Ben Marshall, quite heavily actually, but then it just didn't, didn't seem to come to fruition. Is he someone who's going to be in the team on Saturday? Or uh, I think he started every game since he signed bar one. But yeah, no, he's, he seems to be doing all right. You know, he, he's playing on the left, and we did need 
a winger to play over there, especially with O'Brien being out injured because Ferguson isn't going to cut it at this level. No, he's, yeah, he looks like he can cross with both feet. He can cut inside and shoot. He's got a bit of pace and skill about him, which is what we were lacking. So he looks, he does look to be a good addition, to be fair. And I think he'd have been a good addition for most clubs in the championship, certainly outside of the top six. He'd do, he'd do a decent job for most of them, I think. Because he came with a lot of, I mean, when we were reading up on him, um, it, it it is a it is a bit of a culture shock for Sunderland. Like it's 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 not ignorance. It's just a case of we've been in the Premiership for ten years. We've came down, and there's certain players you you don't really know too much about. It's just the way it is. You you know more of what you watch. And I think when we were looking at Ben Marshall, he looked like quite a big, imposing lad who kind of had went to Wolves. It hadn't really worked out for him. And, you know, I think potentially it could have been a really good move. But you mentioned um, Shane Ferguson before. You just you just reminded me that he still plays for you. Shane Ferguson is the uh, the former Newcastle player that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he might be in a Birmingham, but I think Joe Kinnear scouted him or, or someone scouted him and said that Newcastle should sign him when he was actually on loan from Newcastle. Have you ever heard that story before? Was that when he was at Millwall? Yeah, that, that was when he was at Birmingham on loan from mm-hmm. Newcastle. Yeah, I, I've yeah I have heard that story before. I think it is actually true, which is yeah. quite embarrassing from <laughs> in his perspective. But it's uh, it, it it was typical of them at that point, I think. But I think nowadays that would probably improve our uh, improve our own recruitment system. But um, one one thing we spoke about before you actually came on the podcast quite interesting, and I always like to get a fan's perspective because I, I I don't like to see any club apart from maybe the one that was black and white get screwed over by their chairman. I, I, I think, you know, we're all fans. We all understand it. And we spoke about a, a few things before the podcast obviously got recorded like last night. And you mentioned about Ellis Short. I'm not expecting you to know the ins and outs of everything that he's done. I understand 100% you're a Millwall fan and they're very much the same way I'm, I'm a Sunderland fan. But you did mention some things that were, were spot on, I thought. I thought you were bang on. How is Ella Short viewed from a, a different perspective? Do you, do you think that's what our problem is from what you can see? Do you think it's just bad management right from the top? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the majority of the problem. You know, you've had some decent players in the last few years and some decent managers. It just seems that Short, one, he's not invested enough. And like you said, the odd time he has invested, it's been awful investment in the wrong players or in the wrong things. And it needs, yeah, I think, you know, a complete overhaul from the top down. Possibly going down to League One will allow you guys to do that. Or maybe he'll have to pay off some of that debt first. And then if he is really willing to give the club away for them to take the debts, then he's going to have to clear some of that debt first and going down to League One might mean that he has to do that because is he going to want to own a League One club? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> um, I think with uh, there's rumours going around up here that Short's quite happy to sell the club for next to nothing if someone takes that bet on. It, it's who would want this right now? Do you know what I mean? There was a there was a a link to a consortium, a German consortium, in I think it was like summertime, and around August time it just all fell flat. And and, and Short said he didn't, he wasn't sure they had the right intentions and and things like that. I mean how. From from what I can see, you know, anyone can be doing a better job at the moment. It just needs a fresh face in there. I mean, you know, be careful what you wish for. But I think he kind of nailed it. I think he hasn't invested enough when he needs to right now. I think you really need to put some money in to give Coleman a fighting chance because he's got the right man at the wrong time. And when he has invested, he's invested things like five million in Danny Graham, twelve million in Stephen Fletcher, it's, and given them fifty odd grand a week. It's it's kind of embarrassing when you think about it. I mean, 
don't think anyone sees that as being a valid investment. I don't think anyone at Sunderland did at that point, apart from people who tried to convince themselves to be a bit more positive, which, you know, some of us have a tendency to do and stuff like that. And you you spend quite a bit of time in League One. And, you know, with all due respect, I suppose, you know, Millwall was in, in my lifetime been a solid sort of Division One slash championship side. And by Division One, I mean, like, you know, second tier. I'm getting to that age now where I'm starting to call the championship Division One. So... <laughs> Um, but you know League One you mentioned about going down and you had all those players that you released 18 or so players and I know it's it's different to I know it's a different scenario to Sunderland because if we go down it's like double relegation it's a plummet it's a different different mindset to maybe being in the championship for a few seasons and then going down because you're one of the you know anyone can go down in the championship realistically if you've been there a little while it's, it's one of those leagues but did you find like going down the last time you did and cleansing your team of all those players really was a positive? Was it something that was needed? Do you think that could help us? I mean, no one likes to say go down to fix things because we said that last year and, and it hasn't fucking worked. But, you know, I've seen plenty of teams, Southampton, Leicester, come back, you know, tenfold and be a hell of a lot stronger, learn from their mistakes and become a much better side. Or do you think that if something get relegated and we release 18, 19 players because of the way we're, because of the way we are, from the top, our chairman, do you, do you think it would make any difference? So what, what's your experience? What what made things change for you? I mean, yeah, for us, it was the best, probably the best thing for us. You know, we'd been, first season we came back up into the championship, we finished ninth, but then after that, the next three years, we were battling relegation. And we, I think two years in a row, we stayed up on the last day. So it wasn't, we weren't really going anywhere. And that was, the, yeah, then Jack, I think Jacket resigned after a full season up or... No, it would have been third. Would have been third season. So you had like the Lomas and the Holloway era, kind of the Banzer era at Millwall. Yeah, going down to League One was probably the best thing for us because we had a yeah we had a lot of journeymen. We had a lot of pros who were coming towards the end of their careers and just looking for a final wage. And then yeah, we, yeah we started bringing through the young the youngsters, and it really worked for us. You know, we had a few players that a couple of us knew about who were coming through and could be could be decent options in League One, but they wouldn't have got game time in the Championship. So to go down and develop them guys for us was completely the right thing. Whether it could work depends, one, who you've got in your youth academy, who your coaches are and how much is being put into it. Because if there's nothing being put into it, then it's probably not going to do that much good, which all stems from short again. So yeah. if he if he is willing to put a little bit of money into it and stay on as owner, if you did go down, which I don't think he would, but hypothetically, then, then it would be a decent outcome because you could really push on for a couple of years, develop the youngsters. Yeah, you might have to spend three or four years in League One, but if it then means you come back into the Championship, establish yourself, and then start pushing back to get towards the Premier League again, then I think three or four years in League One is probably worth it. Yeah, I mean anything's worth you know not getting beat every week. This, I mean, I said this last year as well. I guess I said you know go down and cleanse the decks, but I suppose the problem is you know when we went down last year, there was a lot of players still in contract. The Billy Joneses, the Rod Wells, um, those sort of players. You know, this season. End of this season, I think the likes of Billy Jones is out of contract, and so on and so forth. So we can kind of cleanse the team of of those sort of players, hopefully, and maybe it, it can work. But I think we're just when it comes to something, we're just clinging on to anything that is like a, a semblance of hope. Realistically, it'll probably be a disaster because our our crowds are low enough as it is because everyone's just fed up. It's not a good experience to be at the stadium anymore. Um, it really, really, really isn't. And I think. I mean, I don't blame anyone for being angry and not going or being upset. I, I really, really don't. Far from it, actually. But I think it must be a difficult place to play as a footballer, especially when you've got a lot of young boys coming through, like Asoro, Madger, Robson. Got a lot of young boys coming through who are being asked to carry a can for an incredibly 
bad football team with with no real leaders who were struggling right at the foot of the league. And you you know maybe I mentioned a few a few weeks ago. I live in Glasgow and um, I seen Hearts go down a few years ago. I remember when they went down. They, they went down because they had basically terrible money, terrible, terrible money problems. They went down and a lot of their younger players, sort of uh, Josh Walker and, and uh, Sam Nicholson, sort of played week in, week out for them as like 17, 18-year-olds. And you could see the confidence just sapping from them. But then when they went down, it was, you could almost see that they had like an extra layer of character on top of their, on top of their, you know, natural ability as well because of what had gone on. And, and maybe the likes of a Soro, Madger, Robson, if they go through this season and, and take the kicks, you know, they'll go into next season, maybe not the perfect player, but with a hell of a lot more experience, a hell of a lot more know-how about how shit things can get and how to be a bit of a man on the football field. And Asoro's already kind of shown that, if I'm honest with you, he's really taking the mantle on. And I think it's just a real shame the likes of O'Shea, Catamol and McGeady seem to shirk such responsibility. I used to ask a question quite a bit and, and someone said, stop asking that question because everyone says, oh, I, 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 I don't know who I'd take. So I've started changing. I used to say, which player would you take from the Sunderland side? But, you know, there was a long pause, no matter which fan I asked that question. So I've changed it. Is there anything about Sunderland that worries you for Saturday? Probably the, the youngsters. The, I've seen a sorrow a couple of times this season. He looks like he's... We've, we've got a solid defence at the moment, but they aren't necessarily always the quickest. Romeo's quick. Hutch and Cooper are okay at reacting quickly, but in terms of if you get in a foot race with them, a sorrow will probably win. So... He's the sort of player who could, if you can get the right balls into him and the right balls over the top, could possibly cause issues. But that's, to be honest, if yeah, if McManaman shows up, then maybe him. But I say, as, as I said earlier, yeah, I would certainly take a sorrow as a Millwall player to develop next next few years. And then, yeah, you either look to sell him on or if we are pushing for promotion, then he could be a decent player to develop even further. Yeah, he's not a bad finisher. And as you say, this season he's shown the character to lead a team that's been poor all over the park, really. No, 100%. I think you're right. And I think um, you know, he's only got one year left on his contract at the end of the season. So I'd be looking to tie him down as well, no matter what league we're in. We don't want to lose him for free. Uh, but at that, we, we've we've developed him and probably given him a hell of a lot of character with the shite that we've served up this season. But I suppose on the flip side, obviously I'll get a prediction from you before we end. But one thing I do want to ask, uh, when it comes to you know, Millwall, obviously you're looking to win on Saturday, as you would expect. Where do you think that you can hurt someone the most? Which players are on form? And which areas do you think you can exploit? Where do you think you can win the game? Morrison and Gregory recently have been in good form and at the moment we've got Wallace and Marshall out wide who are both looking like good creative forces so if we can get the ball, the right balls into Morrison and Gregory and play from there then I'd expect those two will cause havoc at the back and George Savile's really come back into form recently he had a bit of a spell through December where I think he was playing through a bit of an injury at the same time but his form did dip but last few games he's been getting back to how he was so if he's if he's on form in midfield then he'll be winning a lot of battles um, and whether he's partnered with Williams or Tunnicliffe I'd expect it to be Williams again then they, he's got a good partnership with both of them usually so I think it's that front six and you can't fault Hutchinson and Cooper this season and Meredith uh, Hutch has probably been player of the season and Meredith does look like one of the best left backs we've had in my lifetime certainly probably the best to be fair so I think we've got players in a lot of positions who it'll be Morrison and Gregory that do the, that do the damage certainly but then we've, yeah, the lights of Hutch and Cooper will certainly keep us in, in check 
at the back. Do you think, you know, have they come up against three centre-halves this season? Do you have John O'Shea, uh, Clark Salter suspended, so you might get Browning coming in, and then uh, probably Coney, do they, do you think that would phase them? Because Morrison don't think he's going to be intimidated by anyone in our back line, if I'm honest with you. It it hasn't looked to phase them massively when they've come up against it this season. Morrison always picks his target early on. So if if Browning, Browning's not the tallest, is he for a centre-back? No, not really. So yeah, Morrison. Other thought will pick him or Kone for his lax attitude, and then <laughs> they'll he'll play off one of them. And Gregory Gregory's decent enough in the air. He'll he'll probably win a few up there, and they can both play good football. And they're both yeah, they're both decent in the air. So the thought I wouldn't think phasing them. It'll phase them too much. How fast is Gregory? Not bad off the mark, but yeah, he's not he's not got like huge raw pace. But yeah, he's not he's not slow. But yeah, he's not he's not rapid. At the same time, it always worries me about the air uh, because if anyone's fast, if you put him up against John O'Shea, that's you pretty much at least bagging one goal. And we've already we're already conceded that Tim Cahill's probably going to get one. So uh, you know, the, if if you've got someone with a bit of speed that can get past O'Shea, there's your second. But um, I suppose you know, just to end predictions is probably quite important. I think my prediction, I'm, I'm going to try and be a bit more positive this week. I, I fancy us to pinch a, a draw. I think maybe one-one. Don't know why no real reason why I think we'll get a draw I just think away from home we're ever so slightly better than we are at home decent result last week would you two half decent results it needs to be a win but I, I'm going to say 1-1 one, one, but you know just to finish off what, what's your thoughts mm, No, I, th- I think a draw with the form we're in a draw for you guys would probably be you know, quite a good result um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to I'm going to back us to win I'd probably say 2-0 but yeah it, does, it just depends which mill will turn up because we have had a couple of results this season where it has been a bit of complacency that's snuck in. But I think, yeah, I think of late we've seen less of that, and we do look like we're we're confident going into each game at the moment. So I'd I'd probably back Gregory to score again. He's been in good form recently. And then, like you say, yeah, either Cahill off the bench or one of the centre halves because I've I've seen some of your guys set piece defending this year and it does look like we could does it yeah. like we could bully you guys at the set pieces a little bit which could work oh, well yeah. for particularly Cooper who's about six foot six. I suppose I'm, I'm I'm more hopeful of a draw, but I think you might scarily be right. But you know, you never know. You never know. It's a championship, isn't it? It's a mad league. You never know what's going to happen. Or... That's it. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so weird. It's such a weird league to play in. Anyone can beat anyone. Yeah, it's it's weird. You've got we've had four three three draws this season. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life as a Sunderland fan. Like, and just against like a, a variety of different clubs, like not necessarily open teams, not necessarily like long ball teams. It's been like Brentford, Middlesbrough. It's just been like Bolton, like weird results. It just you never know mm. what you're going to get, but. As always, I'm, I'm not going to wish you luck for Saturday. I, I don't like doing that because I, I, I'm not a liar. I don't want to be a hypocrite. But um, thanks for coming on as always, Lucas, mate. Uh, I hope. Yeah, cheers for asking me. You didn't enjoy Saturday too much. But after that, good luck. My, my dad's my dad's best mate's actually from Bermondsey and a big Millwall boy. So I suppose I do like to see you do all right for him. Um, but hopefully not on Saturday, mate. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheers, yeah, cheers for inviting me on. I've enjoyed it. So. Anytime, look, it's not a problem, mate. Have a have a good rest of the year. Like I say, but not Saturday, promise. <laughs> yeah, you oh. guys too. <laughs> Thanks. Catch you later, mate. Cheers. See ya. Right. So that's the end of obviously the Millwall podcast. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel necessarily uh, underconfident about Saturday, but Millwall are really in good form. But I, I'm kind of half confident of a draw. I think you know. They've, I know we were poor against Brentford, and and I know we were poor against Bolton. 
But we did show a little bit of fight against Bolton. We certainly showed fight against Bristol City towards the end. And we did show, you know, we showed some bollocks against Middlesbrough. So, you know, maybe maybe they're starting to bring that back. A little bit of character. I think it's been led by Asoro. I really think Joel Asoro is leading that fair play to him. I think he's been terrific the past month or so. And I really think he deserves credit for that. So, yeah, we've got Middlewall on Saturday. We've got Astonville at home on Tuesday, which is another tough game. Um, we've got 12 cup finals, which is a bit of a cliche, but that's what it is. We need to pick up, I would say, at least six wins out of that, I think, to get ourselves out of that. I think we need to win half of them. Maybe that's being overly pessimistic, but I think, you know, we, that's what we've got to do. And points need to start being picked up and not one point in a battling result. We, we need to keep a clean sheet, nick a one low win, win it ugly, win it dirty, doesn't matter. We just need three points on the board and we need more of them than we've had all season. So um, thanks for tuning in again as always. I'll see you before the Aston Villa game. We'll have another one out by then. Hopefully, we're speaking about a result. Um, that is three points. Hopefully, we're speaking about a good performance and we're not speaking about a defeat. See you then. fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.